Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. And now, here are our hosts, James Foxall and Wes McDonald. So, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tiger Paw Radio. I'm your host with the most, Wes McDonald, and unfortunately, uh, James Foxall is not going to be on the episode today, but the good news is we have two fantastic guests. So the guest that we have today, uh, Himachu uh, Verma, who's the Director of Product Management at WatchGuard Technologies, and we also have Matt Solomon, VP of Business Development at ID Agent and Dark Web ID. Uh, so gentlemen, maybe I'll get you to introduce yourselves, and uh, Himachu, why don't we start with you? Yeah, thanks, Wes, um, and you know, thanks for having me on the pack podcast today. Uh, my name is uh, Himanshu Verma. Uh, I'm actually recently uh, transitioned into uh, business development, so director of business development at WatchGuard. Uh, have spent, uh, you know, almost 11 years in uh, cybersecurity. And, uh, and most recently, um, you know, I've been uh, part of uh, WatchGuard Technologies, where I have been responsible for uh, managed security services and managed services enablement uh, within the product management team as well as uh, also uh, recently transitioned into uh, business development. Just, uh, you know, some fun fact, um, you know, about myself. Uh, I'm a, sort of like a language nerd, so uh, I can speak three languages fluently and, uh, and can, uh, you know, speak three other languages non-fluently. So, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I've been surrounded with a lot of people, uh, you know, who speak very different languages on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so that definitely uh, helps, uh, you know, keeping my learning curve up. Well, that's really fascinating. And I know that uh, looking at your profile, you speak uh, English, obviously, uh, Hindi and Punjabi. And what are the three that you uh, speak with less eloquence? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, uh, I have uh, a Romanian wife uh, who speaks uh, Romanian fluently. So I keep, uh, you know, get to hear that every day. Uh, and the other two languages, uh, you know, that uh, that I get to hear uh, often are are French, um, as well as um, you know, uh, South Indian languages, um, you know, more regional um, associated with uh, with South India. Wow, that's amazing. So currently, we have uh, one thing in common: it's not languages. We're both in business development. I've been doing it for about six years, so uh, get ready for some fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And- our second guest is Matt Solomon. He's the VP of Business Development at ID Agent uh, Dark Web ID. So he also has some experience with business development. And Matt, if you could introduce yourself. Yeah, so uh, Vice President of Business Development at ID Agent. Uh, I've been with the company since uh, day one uh, when we uh, first launched it with the CEO uh, back in late 2015. And uh, I've really been in sales and business development roles my whole life, uh, but this has definitely kind of been the pinnacle uh, of what we've been able to do over the last couple of years with ID Agent. Uh, you know, I'm by no means a security expert, uh, even though ID Agent is focusing on, you know, dark web and security. Uh, but really, uh, one of the things I really try to focus thing, uh, focus on when I'm talking to MSPs is, is how to deliver these security conversations in a way that their users are going to understand. And so that's something I really bring to the table. Uh, just with my background, because I'm not technical, but I understand their end user because their end user is someone exactly like myself. Yeah, and actually, I think that's, uh, you know, that's a really good angle because at the end of the day, most of the people we're speaking with are not necessarily, you know, that advanced in the 
the normal culture of uh, security and they need some way to be able to, you know, understand it in human terms. Right. So, you know, I totally get it. What is one fun fact they may not know about you today? Uh, So uh, back in the day, and it's like 15, 20 years ago, I guess now, um, when I was in high school, I could actually run a mile in four minutes and 30 seconds. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Well, I don't know the last time I actually ran a mile unless I was being chased by something. <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. Really appreciate it. You know, the, the topic that we're covering today is actually pretty diverse. We're going to be talking about security in general, but really from two different directions. One, which uh, many people may be you know, familiar with, which is network security and intrusion detection. And the other, uh, which is the dark web. And I just love that expression because it's kind of like dark matter. What does it really mean? And so for a lot of our listeners that are, you know, providing managed services, you know, obviously they may not be clear on the distinction. So, you know, perhaps I'll start with you, Himanshu. If you can just describe for us a little bit about what uh, you do and what network security, uh, what that really means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and network security is a term that's been used, uh, you know, synonymously for quite some time, especially with uh, with firewalls and, uh, you know, watchcard technology. Uh, you know, we, we've been around for uh, 20 plus years. And uh, another fun fact, uh, you know, on that same team note is that, uh, you know, watchcard was actually one of the first organizations that uh, brought the architecture of deconstructing a network packet and then doing deep inspection on that and then reconstructing that packet again, you know, also known as the proxy architecture in, in technical terms uh, into the firewall form factor. And I think that sort of like set the foundation for what is known as in the industry as next generation firewall or unified threat management, UTM. So, you know, um, typically network security is associated with you know, ability to uh, not only apply policies and rules on who all can can access uh, resources in the network, but most importantly, being able to inspect uh, anything going in and out of the, the network and, and keeping some of the, the threats, uh, you know, uh, out of the way. What, what I would definitely like to highlight here is that, you know, in today's term, uh, network is no longer associated with being just the perimeter, you know, uh, because, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, you, you will be like, hey, what, what's your what's your network that you're protecting? You know, you think of this like your house and you're like, hey, my, my network is, is the fence that I'm going to put around the house and I'm going to sure. monitor who all is coming in and out and, you know, securing that. But, uh, you know, cloud applications, software as a service applications, and uh, and especially now with, with mobile users everywhere, have sort of like dissolved that that enterprise perimeter, and network security now is associated with, uh, you know, obviously securing that perimeter for sure, but then also you know going along with the user wherever they're going and protecting them as well. Uh, so I think that's that's sort of like a broad line, um, you know, association of how I see both, uh, you know, where network security came from, uh, the foundations of it and how it's uh, progressing and evolving uh, towards the future. Well, that's a really interesting point, Um, you know, Himachu. When I started in the industry, I actually worked for uh, companies in the early days of the internet, and we really looked at, you know, the network in terms of the local area network and the wide area network. 
and then it kind of evolved into VPN. And, and what you're kind of saying now is it's even way beyond that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's spot on, you know, in, in technical terms, you know, LAN and WAN was sort of like what's looked upon as, as a, as a enterprise corporate network. And then anybody needing access remotely to it, you know, would, would VPN and primarily because, you know, all your applications and all your you know services were located there. Um, but now, you know, users are mobile and so are the applications, which are, you know, uh, mostly in, in the cloud now. And hence, it's dissolved uh, that, uh, that layer. Uh, and, you know, this is what's adding a little more complexity to the needs of securing the network more effective, effectively and efficiently. And, and how, you know, I'll, I'll talk in more detail about what to focus on, you know, as, as a partner or as an MSP uh, in, in selecting some of these security services. Well, it's interesting. Uh, so this is probably a good segue to, to bring you in, uh, Matt, where, you know, the, the definition of what the network is, is, is changing dramatically. And something that's still fairly new in our industry is this concept of the, the dark web. And that occupies another space in the network. So maybe you can talk with us a little bit about, you know, sort of the, what the dark web really is and uh, what some of the distinctions are between that and the traditional network. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. We often, I mean, very early on, we kept getting the question, like, what is the dark web? And, and generally when I present, I actually never really describe it uh, in the sense that like, I don't give this full blown definition of it. I really just talk about the risk of having compromised credentials, so emails and passwords being exposed on the dark web. Uh, but, you know, in, in general, it's, you know, part of the Onion router, right, this Tor network. Um, it's an unindexed area of the internet, and there's, in in many ways, very different layers of the dark web, um, and it gets into even, you know, more heavier stuff that we, we'll talk about, I think, a little bit later. Um, but it is really interesting because, you know, on one side, an MSP, you know, is able to do a lot of things to protect their network, uh, you know, including like, you know, WatchGuard. Uh, but what they don't always have visibility with their customers is outside of the network. And that's really where the dark web is causing a massive threat uh, to a network uh, because you've got emails and passwords on a daily basis being exposed through third-party websites. So it's, what's occurring is an employee is going to use their work email and it could be totally work-related websites. It could be a CRM system. It could be LinkedIn. Uh, and they're using their work email along with a password. And so you start running into issues when people repeat network passwords or variations of those passwords and personal passwords that could lead to risk. And, and that's what we're seeing. And so you've got, you know, a company like us, ID Agent, we actually were the first company to bring the dark web to the channel, to the MSP space uh, back in uh, May of 2017. Uh, and so we're monitoring 24-7 for our MSP and our MSP's customers uh, so that they are aware of these exposures. And it really starts to educate the community in a m much more different ways versus years ago, a couple years ago, everybody was asking the question or really making the statement, is the dark web even a real thing? And we're no longer having to kind of talk about it in that way. I mean, you've got, you know, the life locks are talking about it every day now on commercials. Oh, uh, so sure. It's definitely brought it to a, a, a level playing field as far as people having some understanding of it, but really just not understanding the risk of what an email and password on the dark web really means to their organization. Uh, and I've, you know, I'll share some examples as we kind of go into some other questions, but it's really 
uh, it's a it's a massive threat to any small business. Yeah, it's it's really interesting actually, and uh, you know the the expression "ignorance is bliss." Um, I guess really doesn't apply when we're providing services for customers and trying to, you know, both keep them safe and uh, help them to continue their businesses, right? No, absolutely. And, but you'd be surprised how many MSPs at, at events, we have a live prospecting tool that our MSP partners can use. It's really fascinating sales tool where you can actually put the domain of any organization and it pulls up the hundred most recent emails and passwords that are out on the dark web. And you'd be shocked how many MSPs won't even run their own uh, with us live at the event because they just, yeah, they may not want to see it, uh, but that's, <laughs> unfortunately, that's not the right attitude though, you know. Yeah, head in the sand uh, when it comes to helping our customers is probably not the best approach. Right. Well, I appreciate that background. What I want to move to next is is looking at really what some of the newest forms are, right? Because I think most of us are familiar with, you know, some of the traditional phishing scams when we get somebody that sends us an email, you know, looking for particular, you know, details um, or, you know, the guy from, uh, some country in Africa that, you know, wants us to transfer money for his cousin. Um, but, you know, what, what, what are some of the things that maybe we're not thinking about today when it comes to malware and phishing? Are you guys seeing stuff out there uh, that's sort of new and prescient? You know, again, Himanshu, maybe we'll start with you on the, you know, on the network side. So I'll start with, um, you know, uh, just uh, the four that keep me awake um, every day. And I think the first one, like you mentioned, uh, is is uh, fishing, but in broader terms, it's basically uh, different flavors of fishing. And you know, like you said, I think the the rudimentary forms of the ones where you get a rogue phone call or somebody trying to uh, you know call you or or you know having to impersonate someone to to um, you know fool you in performing an an action is the basic form of of fishing, um, which by the way still happens. You know, I, I just received. Uh, a phone call uh, two or three days ago, you know, uh, related to uh, my, you know, somebody telling me that my social security benefits were locked. Uh, and, you know, just just a fun fact there again, uh, U.S. government or local and state governments never, ever call you. They always, you know, talk to you via, via postal mail as, as their main source of uh, communication. So never, ever trust these calls. Um, but anyways, um, you know, uh, there are two main forms of phishing. Uh, one is known as, uh, you know, spear phishing, which is very targeted where, uh, you know, basically as part of the reconnaissance stage, which is collecting information of the user, um, you know, the, the threat actors have collected uh, some information which is publicly available or privately available, and they've customized their, their introductory, um, you know, email or introductory form of communication to... Um, make it more personable, and I think that's uh, that's uh, we we see that uh, constantly now in the form of delivered uh, via email or via phone calls, uh, and then leading to an action, you know, which is where the delivery of the uh, the malware uh, happens. And the second one, which is another form of phishing, is is uh, what is called whaling, uh, which is you know recently started where you know you you must have heard incidents where the C-suite or the Top, uh, top level executives in an organization uh, are being used uh, to lure employees into, you know, doing certain actions where, you know, hey, your CEO just selected you for being the top salesperson of the organization and here's a, you know, gift card 
or a gift voucher that you can uh, that you can redeem, and and that's you know using the C suite is is sort of like uh, le- you know leveraging whaling. Again, these fall broadly into the the fishing category, and I think that's something that you know is definitely very prevalent um, in the industry uh, right now. Um, the second one, which I also see constantly, is around um, you know ransomware, and ransomware is you know, now become a household name. You know, you talk about any local or state government in the U.S. or you talk about any hospital system, you know, constantly uh, every week there is one in the news where, uh, you know, their their systems have been disrupted or uh, encrypted. And now the bad actors or the threat actors are asking for some form of ransom, uh, you know, mostly in the form of cryptocurrency so that they can uh, they can you know allow uh, to to get those access back and you know again um, fun fact here never ever agree um, to pay that ransom you know actually FBI actually recommends to not do that uh, so you know I think that's that's uh, just an educational element there um, but but what's happened since 2016 is that uh, ransomware has been combined with a very old form of uh, cybersecurity element known as worms. You know, worms and trojans were basic viruses back in the day, but the combination of ransomware and the worms has has led to ransom worms. You know, um, 2016, NonPetya and WannaCry uh, were variants of um, ransom worms, and and why they became so widely spread is because you know the worm leveraged uh, the ability to access multiple systems uh, in a very short uh, period of time, affecting uh, affecting a large uh, you know set of uh, these systems. So I think that's again something which uh, which is an advanced malware these days, uh, which you know needs both uh, proactive uh, prevention and detection um, in, in in clients' environments. Then um, the third one that I want to talk about is is what's known as fileless malware. You know, so fileless malware, um, you know, is by definition is something which can be executed, uh, you know, without uh, a binary. So back in the day, you know, most of the times if you needed to see the malware or had somebody, you know, execute a piece of code, it'll be either leading them to open an attachment or execute a file or you know run a macro embedded in, in in certain you know attachment files and things like that but now most of the operating systems and and most of the client uh, t- tools come with you know privileged uh, uh processes and privileged uh tools that can be run without actually a file you know WMI the, the windows environment which now includes uh, powershell etc you know are, are perfect examples where you don't need a file to to execute certain things and and the bad actors have now started leveraging those uh, those shell tools or you know those those commands to now seed uh, malware so fileless malware is is becoming again uh, a critical threat and again you know needs some of these uh, latest proactive and and uh, you know monitor, monitoring tools uh, to detect and, and respond against them. Yeah, the last one uh, is very near and dear to my heart. You know, and like I said, I've been working in, in enterprise authentication for quite some time. Is around uh, compromised credentials and identity theft, and I think this is something ties very well into uh, you know match solution as well. 
you know, um, 89%, I think, of the advanced threats uh, start with a compromised identity. Because if I have your corporate username and password, you know, I can do anything and everything within that corporate. I can send them an impersonated email. You know, I can, uh, I can go and access multiple accounts. So compromised identity is, is you know, again, one of the threats that, uh, you know, we, we recommend uh, partners and, and MSPs to keep an eye for. So those are the, I think, the four ones that I like to, you know, definitely highlight and, uh, and keep a focus on. Wow. And that's, that's amazing, actually. And I was, I was just schooled on the whole fileless malware, you know, threat. I didn't realize that at the command level and other, you know, sort of spaces that they could do that, right? When you, when you talk about whaling, you know, I do actually have a story about that. I worked for a company previously, and this is probably a good segue, Matt, into a conversation with you. Um, but the uh, person who handled accounts payable uh, received an email from the president of the company, which said basically that they needed to do a wire transfer for a bunch of money for a new supplier. And, you know, fortunately, uh, she was paying attention. And what she realized was that the domain that they'd used, they'd actually gone to the trouble of buying a domain which had one extra letter in it. So if you weren't paying attention, it looked like it was an email coming directly from the president, but it had one extra letter in the domain. Unfortunately, uh, she was paying attention, so it didn't happen. But And so, so Matt, maybe we can speak to that now because as Himanshi was you know, talking about, when we start looking at some of the stuff with um, you know, credentials and uh, other personal identity stuff, which is, you know, being garnered on the web. Clearly, the dark web is an area where that's being proliferated. So maybe talk to us a bit about that, what the threats are. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit of the dark web. And then I actually have some examples, I think, that would be good for your customer, you know, for the audience to hear just about, you know, it's not that there's all these new forms of malware, but it's even, it's just the techniques are just so advanced now with the with the malware that already exists. Um, but starting with, you know, how, you know, the stuff out, the credentials being exposed on the dark web uh, are being taken to another level. It's a slide I've been showing for the, like the last year and a half. And I, and I keep saying I'm going to retire it, but it, it, it hits really well with every audience because every MSP has had a client receive what's called, you know, as the sextortion email. Um, I don't know if you, are you familiar with that one, Wes? No, not at all. I've, ne I've never had one of those. Okay. Never. So the idea is it's a, it's a phishing email. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might get one, you know, I mean, it, it has nothing to do with like actually the fact that anybody did something. It, it's, it, it's an email. It's a phishing email that says like we caught you looking at adult content and we have video of you. And if you don't pay a ransomware, we're going to send it to every one of your contacts. Well, and just for the record, I have received uh, many of those. There was a time when we were getting them for uh, tax evasion or other things with revenue. Yeah. Yep. So got but, it. Same thing, yeah. right? Same concept, but here's where it gets tricky. They're using uh, data from the dark web, uh, from the, the data breaches that are out and exposed on the dark web and making it look like they have more information than they really might have. So an example in the sextortion, it, they include a password from the LinkedIn data dump from several years ago. The problem is the password, you know, that were exposed from LinkedIn are all real. And so, you know, either the individual used that at some point or still may use that password or a variation of it, but it freaks people out because when you're getting an email and it has their password in it, you, you now, you're, you can now easily make an assumption that they have more information on you 
than you're aware, right? So it, it, that's one of those techniques. And it's not just in the form of a sextortion, right? That's just one that really became popular in news and media. But there's a lot of variations of that that have happened where they're, again, leveraging that information and using it. You think about the idea of like, uh, you know, a non-network password, you know, might not you might not think of that as causing risk but if i'm a president of a, of a small business and my gmail password gets exposed well now if that gmail password is the same as my facebook password now think of all the information i'm collecting for a phishing campaign that i could send to that president you know through his work email and things like that so there's all this information through social engineering that you can make these phishing you know techniques really sophisticated uh, but some of the things that we've seen on the rise, and, and it really MSPs have to be vigilant, is MSPs are at risk. I mean, they are attracting a lot of attacks, and we've seen them in the news more than ever before, uh, because, you know, an MSP is an easy way to hit many targets at once because of the access points and keys that they have for all of their small business clients. You're starting to see them, you know, go get in with RMM credentials. I mean, we had an MSP partner that signed up with us. And when you sign up with us and you put your own domain in, usually within 24 hours, you get all of the data that's been, you know, historical data. And one of the records that came in was their actual password to the RMM system. And you that's can only- crazy. Right. So you can only imagine the damage that could have been done uh, with that password. I mean, you've seen also like targeting backup infrastructure. Um, you know, we've wow. seen a couple of those being targeted mobile device malware. I mean, you're starting to see that that's pretty, you know, fairly, you know, big uptick in that. And the last one I had written down here was the crypto jacking uh, on websites. So, I mean, those are the, the new, they're, they're not necessarily like new forms, but they're just getting smarter and, and using more sophisticated techniques of delivering these things. Yeah, I think you raised a really important one there, though, is it's not just the end user customers, but the MSPs who are providing services for those customers, right? Yep. Am I correct in assuming that, you know, the main thing that they're going for are credentials because they can access so much uh, from, you know, actually being able to log into those systems themselves, you know, those dark actors? Yeah, I mean, then they could just sit there. I mean, I, I say this line, the keys to your network could you know quite literally be sitting out on the dark web and you can you can either know about it or not it's as simple as that <laughs> in some level um so you know you know even for our msp partners you know when when i talk about like opportunity i like think about any professional service company a law firm an accounting firm how much of a target they are because again if you get the keys to the to the law firm you're getting the keys to every one of their clients most likely um <laughs> you know so yeah. yeah, it's 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 mildly terrifying. I actually shouldn't say mildly terrifying. <laughs> when you start to actually think about it, it's actually really terrifying, right? So yep. this seems like both from, you know, a network perspective and, you know, from the dark web, because at the end of the day, as Himanshu kind of, you know, pointed out, the network is a much broader expanded definition now than it ever was before, right? So uh, the dark web itself is a part of a, you know, a network and people have to consider the, you know, the security problems that exist there, right? Wow. So now I'm scared to death and uh, probably some of the listeners are too. So we got to move on to, you know, uh, the kind of things that we can start to look out there. And before we do that, let's, let's get a little more scared. So when, when people are thinking about how much information is out there about them, you know, on the web, we've seen it with Facebook, we've seen it with 
in a lot of other, you know, social networks where we're gathering data on a regular basis on everyone that uses the web, right? So, you know, when it comes to the dark web, when it comes to even on the regular network, how much information, what kinds of information are being, you know, regularly tracked on a regular basis? Yeah, um, you know, Matt, uh, you know, alluded to obviously the point of, uh, you know, how user credentials are, are a very key element and are sort of like the keys to the kingdom. You know, uh, anything and everything that in today's world needs, whether, you know, standard user access or privileged user access, you know, requires, um, you know, user authentication. You know, I, I mean, funny story, you know, you, you mentioned some of these large enterprise names, you know, I've, I've seen both sides of the coin now where, you know, used to uh, help sales sell directly to large enterprises and large corporations, you know, who uh, maybe like I think uh, 10 or, or, you know, 11 years ago were investing heavily in, in hardware tokens to protect their username and passwords or, or their users, uh, you know, corporate users' identities. And, and, you know, the main reason was because, you know, they wanted one, you know, they, they had the staff and the budget and the resources to invest in, in all this. And, uh, and, you know, the know-how of what is the importance of protecting that information. Nowadays, I think, uh, again, with some of the trends, as I highlighted, um, you know, with cloud, with mobility, with uh, IoT, you know, some of these trends which are more and more prevalent to make businesses more effective and efficient, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they are there to improve the, the efficiency of, of the businesses and make them more profitable. Um, but what that has also done is that made um, some of these uh, smaller to mid-sized businesses exposed uh, to the same uh, threats that we are seeing in, in the large uh, enterprise landscapes, you know, because everyone works in sort of like an ecosystem these days. I think the target uh, threat that happened, uh, you know, um, uh, several uh, years ago was, was a good indicator that uh, a large enterprise and their network is not just secured by them implementing proper security measures, but also looking into what other ecosystem of, uh, you know, partners or contractors or subcontractors are trying to access that information and whether or not they have, uh, you know, a good security posture or not. And, and that's when we started seeing the trend of uh, the security becoming a key necessity for the small to medium-sized businesses as well. And, and, you know, that's what created an opportunity for our MSPs and our managed service uh, providers you know, because, you know, initially they were just providing maybe IT services uh, to the same set of customer, but now they have an opportunity to provide more advanced uh, services in the form of, you know, security services uh, to, to the same customer. So, you know, if you look at the network now, like, you know, it's, it's no longer just, uh, you know, what's behind uh, your corporate um, environment, but it's also tied to all the entities that connect uh, or are some way, you know, uh, interfacing with your corporate applications, with your corporate users and your entities. So data is everywhere. And, uh, and you know, why it becomes more critical for some of these smaller to mid-sized organizations is that, you know, they cannot sustain a threat 
you know, I, I think there's some research done by Ponyman Institute where, you know, um, more than 50% of the businesses, once they get, uh, you know, attacked by some of these advanced threats, they're out of business. They cannot recover from them. And and that's why it's critical. That's, that's where, you know, that our partners... Over 50% are out of business if it happens? Yeah, um, you know, it's actually more than uh, 50%. It's close to around 80%, uh, and, and which is scaring, scary because, you know, and, and that emphasizes uh, how important the role that our, our MSPs and our partners are playing uh, in the market now, you know, and, and how important is the services are that they're delivering, uh, you know, whether it comes to uh, monitoring, whether it comes to remote management, or, uh, or prevention, detection, and response capabilities. So I'm going to go a little sideways on a question here, which is, you know, that a typical organization in the past would, you know, have all of their important business files and everything else behind their firewall. But how does that apply to companies that are starting to make, you know, use of cloud services like, you know, uh, Google or, or Amazon or other things to, you know, kind of host their files and, you know, the, those critical things they do to run their businesses. Does that make a difference or, or, or do they run into the same risks? Yeah, that's, a, you know, that's exactly uh, the, you know, sort of like the, the trend that I was highlighting with regards to, uh, you know, the, the lines blurring between, uh, between uh, your, your fence or your perimeter versus, uh, you know, applications and, and services now being in the cloud. Um, so to answer your question, absolutely, yes, you know, you no longer can just uh, look at, uh, you know, layer two traffic. You have to start looking at, uh, you know, traffic uh, in the form of applications, uh, traffic in the form of, uh, you know, DNS uh, resolution services uh, and, and things like that. So, you know, now we have uh, security services uh, which are tied with one, you know, um, like DNS filtering, uh, any traffic in and out that gets resolved over, uh, over the web is being monitored and, and hence secured. You have uh, application control services or application monitoring services that are constantly looking at not only Northwest access, but also East-West traversal of these files and, and user services. And, uh, and then you have, you know, obviously the, the same network security components that used to exist in a, in a physical device that used to sit in the network that now also exist in, in public cloud environments, right? So, you know, if you look at uh, our own example as, as WatchGuard, you know, not only do we have the same security services available in, in physical form factor, but also available in um, private and public cloud environments so that, uh, you know, some of these workloads as they're moving to the cloud uh, and, and customers have these hybrid environments, they can protect them both on-premise as well as uh, in the cloud. What I'm kind of gleaning from this is that they're constantly evolving, right? That, you know, the threat of yesterday is not the threat of today. And that Absolutely. those parameters that we used to, you know, distinguish between, you know, sort of the private network and the public are, are becoming quite blurred, right? That they're, these bad actors are getting smarter about how they go after anything. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's, a lot of different things that are being hosted and sold on the dark web. So compromised credentials is, is, is one thing that, that ID agents focusing on. And 
like PII personally identifiable information. So things beyond a password. So, you know, social security numbers, credit cards, bank account numbers, all of that stuff is being traded. There's a term called, it's called FULLS, F-U-L-L-Z. And when uh, hackers are selling uh, these different, you know, files and things, sometimes it'll identify something as having, you know, the fools and fools actually means there's enough information to, to perform identity theft. So you're seeing a whole plethora of identity theft obviously going on. Sometimes they're posting data just to prove uh, that they're, you know, good at hacking and they want to get into some of these forums where it's really invite only type of forums. Um, it's, I mean, it, it is a fascinating and evolving space. And when I'm really at events, you know, and I, I don't really go into all of those elements, but um, really what we try to do, and we, we do it through what we call snapshots of the dark web, is we try to make it so that our, when our partners are presenting on this, again, they're not getting into the nitty gritty of what the dark web is, but they're presenting a story of, hey, this is not, you know, some kid in his basement that's a hacker, and that probably still exists. This is sophisticated businesses that are, you know, it's being run like a business. Uh, you know, some people refer to it as kind of like the, you know, it's the new mafia, but I mean, these, these people are really smart and they run, uh, they do run it like a business. They do holiday discounts. They do referral ransomware. Uh, there's all kinds of variety of ways they're doing it, but it is, it is honestly being run very much like a regular business would be. And small businesses, you know, can continually tell their MSPs that they're not a target and through the slide deck that we provide to our partners, they're able to really prove to a small business that that's just absolutely not the case. And so it really empowers them to have a conversation, not just around dark web monitoring, but around 2FA, password management, you know, security training and awareness, phishing templates, uh, phishing kits. So it really helps them sell the rest of their security stack because it proves you know, that, that they're a target and this is a massive issue for a small business. Yeah, it's really fascinating, actually. And, and when you think of not just the, the dark component, but just the regular gathering of data, why are customers so reticent to purchase or take part of, you know, some kind of network or dark web, you know, security offerings until they've been bitten? Um, that's a tough question. That gets into some psychology, I think. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think people just don't want to spend the money <laughs> and they don't think it's going to happen to them. And cause you know, you just, if you think about like how many small businesses are out there, it's very easy to convince yourself that, you know, it's just not going to happen to me. I'm not that worried about it. Um, but it, it's a massive challenge for MSPs tackling the SMB space. Um, that is really, you know, is, that is the beauty of, of what our product does is it finally gives an MSP the proof that they need to have a conversation around security to make it more real. You know, you yeah, show you're finally someone, illustrator, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's on the, so we have two things. We have d dark web, which again, it's, it's kind of, you know, right there. It's, it's, it's right there in your face, the, the passwords that have been exposed. Um, we also launched uh, something called Bullfish ID, which is our phishing and training uh, programs. And one of the unique things that we've come out of the phishing is that we, we allow uh, a user, so when they get a phishing email and they then they click into it, um, we actually allow them to submit data. And usually the data would be their credentials because they're having to reset their credentials. Now we're not storing any of that data. 
But what that does for the MSP when they're having a conversation is now they can walk into a, into a meeting and say, you know, 22% of your employees just submitted data into a fake email. Do you realize the risk? And it gets into this thing of you're no longer asking them if they want these services. You're telling them that they're going to get them and they're going to pay for them, honestly. Um, and it gets into, you know, trust and being consultative. Uh, but I'm telling you, I, I'll share this, this quick story um, that somebody just had. And it's really, I don't know if I'll hear a better story in terms of how that data led to, you know, a contract. So there's a, uh, an MSP, mostly break fix customers. And, you know, they convinced a 25 employee company to, be, you know, the, the CEO of a 25 employee company to let them run a phishing email on the employees. So they run a phishing email. 92% of the employees clicked on the email. Uh, not a good stat, obviously. But more alarming, 54% of them submitted data. What? Yeah, yes. Okay, so next meeting, I'm not kidding, went from a break-fix customer to a three-year $252,000 customer. So that's, that's where this data makes it just so much easier for an MSP to have these conversations because they're not having to talk about things that could happen. They're telling, they're, you know, on the dark website, they're actually showing them something that's already occurred. And this is why you need X, Y, and Z, you know, depending on what they have within their security bundle. Well, th that is absolutely stunning. And, you know, <laughs> Amancio, you mentioned earlier that, you know, over 50% of customers that get stung by, you know, phishing threat or uh, ransomware, you know, go to business. Right, right. Th those are stunning numbers. Like, yeah, and, you know, you you always uh, ask a you know really relevant question which is like you know like what why are customers not getting you know like reactive about this stuff um or or proactive about this stuff you know and, and why is this uh, sort of like an afterthought still and i think you know I, I i tend to take two different thoughts to that you know one obviously uh being a vendor and and you know being in the security industry for quite some time and and secondly is you know also a consumer like you know like i i consume some of these applications and some of these uh, these tools myself, and and I think there's there's a fundamental flaw in in how some of these technologies are developed, uh, which is uh, that the end user is just supposed to learn or somehow you know uh, change their their day to day behavior uh, on leveraging certain technologies uh, which are secure versus not secure. And, and I think to me, you know, that that's a flawed assumption because, you know, the user is, you know, the customer is king, like they say, right, in, in the old terminology. And it is not the user's job to be aware uh, of, you know, what type of security threats exist around him. I think it's the job of the technology provider to ensure that the products that they're providing are actually, uh, you know, robust and, and secure not only doing what they're designed to do, but security is, is always an embedded entity as part of that, right? I mean, you know, Forbes uh, just published an article which tied to this, like, you know, how the cybersecurity model itself is sort of like broken is, they, they predicted that, you know, if you look at the five-year uh, spending for cybersecurity uh, up to 2021, it's expected to exceed $1 trillion you know, trillion. But if you look at the annual global losses from cybersecurity, that's expected to hit six trillion by the same year. Oh right? my God. So six to one ratio. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and that is why I feel that to make the consumer's life easier and the customer's life easier, there is an inherent responsibility that now partners and MSPs working together with vendors have to provide, number one, you know, as Matt highlighted too, you know, the, the education, you know, educate the customer and the consumer about some of these things, uh, you know, enlighten them with visibility and monitoring. Uh, and then help them, you know, with management and, and remote functions. That helps to eliminate most of these threat vectors. And then you can bring in, you know, some of the advanced security services that, uh, you know, are backed in to provide uh, some of the, the, you know, security, more proactive security against uh, some of these threats. You know, we, we talked about uh, in our earlier conversation about the network. And I think the one thing that uh, I personally very well aligned with is is wireless networks you know they're everywhere and and this is going to become a growing trend as we move into the world of you know iot as we move into the world of everything connected you know you you need a wireless network everywhere you go so i as a traveler you know whenever i go now i am traveling um you know i i make it a point that uh, i'm not connecting to untrusted uh, wireless networks or public networks and there are tools now that are available, you know, tools that WatchGuard can help partners uh, or MSPs with that can allow to protect some of this Wi-Fi airspace. And it's, you know, this is a very relevant use case. Most of the consumers are not going to think that, you know, connecting to a public Wi-Fi is going to lead to compromised identity or is going to lead to compromised information. And they should not, you know, in all fairness. It's the job of the service provider and the partners and the MSPs to you know, instill that trust by providing some of these security services to them. Yeah, I think you're so right. I mean, humans at the end of the day are humans. They're, they're not really thinking about all of these intrinsic elements you know, that exist for security, right? And in a world of Wi-Fi, you know, why on earth shouldn't we be doing a better job of making sure that when people connect to that, um, that it is a secure experience, right? And, and I've heard that, like, you know, use a VPN, use other security measures, et cetera. But wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where we could connect to a Wi-Fi connection anywhere and uh, know that our, you know, uh, security and our information was, uh, was safe, right? And Himanshu, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you had four to five uh, predictions that were right, which makes you better than Nostradamus. Um, so... What's coming around the corner? Are there, are there things that we need to, to start thinking about which don't exist today, which might be a threat tomorrow? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things I, um, I definitely uh, track closely is, uh, you know, I mentioned Internet of Things, you know, IoT. Um, you know, I come home and there's at least four or five devices that, uh, that connect to the, to the Internet. And, you know, myself knowing, you know, what happens in the security space, you know, I'm very nervous about, uh, about those things. And, and again, like as, as standard consumers, you know, people go home and they, you know, want to connect and manage their thermostats remotely. You know, they want to manage their smart uh, lights remotely. You know, they want to be able to get into an elevator without uh, pushing a button. You know, it's it already knowing, you know, what floor uh, your residence located and, and things like that. And, and I think this is, not a, this is not a new trend. You know, smart cities is something that's been talked about for quite some time. You know, most of our utility uh, services have already moved to, you know, smart devices. And, and there are smart grids that exist at the national 
national level. Uh, but now we're going to start seeing more of this in consumer devices. And what's that going to do is it's going to, you know, create a whole new network of things uh, and devices, all of them that need either, you know, physical network connectivity or they need uh, wireless uh, network connectivity. And, and I think that's the one where, you know, we've started seeing some of these botnets and, uh, and also some of these advanced malware, uh, which can leverage some of the exploits and the open, um, you know, um, uh, door, doors that are back doors that are left in some of these IoT devices and then land into wider networks and land into wider corporate, uh, you know, areas. So I think that's, that's a trend that, uh, you know, we, I would recommend um, our partners and MSPs to closely monitor. You know, like I said, um, you know, Matt highlighted uh, everything that goes on the dark web. You know, where it becomes more troublesome is that the, the threat actors are now making it much more easier for people to actually also get their hands on, uh, you know, some of these uh, threat toolkits. You know, if you go to dark web, you can actually very easily purchase uh, toolkits that are all packaged and bundled you know, where you don't have to be an expert coder or, uh, you know, uh, a cybersecurity expert to, to run some of these exploits, you can simply run some of these extortion campaigns very easily. So I think, you know, th those are yeah, some of that, the things that... That blows uh, my mind. So, like, there are actually apps for that. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and this is something that, you know, we've been seeing as a trend growing lately. And, and like I said, you know, IoT devices and the connectivity of the IoT devices and securing that uh, is something that, you know, I'll keep, keep an eye on uh, as a growing trend. And, um, you know, right around the corner, uh, you know, around the holidays, uh, you know, WatchCard will predict again as part of our annual, uh, you know, predictions for 2020, you know, what are the, the six or seven uh, threats that, uh, that, you know, partners and MSPs uh, and also customers should be monitoring. So, you know, definitely keep an eye for that as well. Well, that sounds like a great public service. And so Matt, maybe you can share with us a little bit about uh, some things coming around the corner that people may not be aware of on the dark web. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess my examples aren't necessarily from on the dark web, but uh, I think it was mentioned earlier, this idea of this, uh, you know, ransomware uh, that's fileless. You know, so that's something that I've, I've started, you know, seeing a lot more of. Not sure that I can completely explain it, but um, but yeah, it's it's definitely worth looking at because um, it's a lot harder to to, to uh, detect and prevent. Um, you know, this isn't something new, but it's still something that people just forget about, which is attacking via supply chain. Um, you know, and I don't always like to give like the the large examples of the breaches that have occurred because it's that's not always applicable to an MSP. But it's hard not to look at that you know that target breach back in 2013. I mean that happened you know through a supply chain vendor and it was a single compromised credential you know through an HVAC supplier uh, that that they had. Uh, so you know the supply chain and then you know the phishing emails. It's not just that they're getting more sophisticated in terms of the data that's being used, you know, like, you know, that example from the dark web, there's this term called, you know, polymorphic and it's that the scan, the phishing uh, is really almost doing like machine learning. And so it's going to attack you with a phishing email and it's going to learn from the attack. You know, maybe you have stuff on, on your computer that prevents phishing emails to come in. It, it starts to, to morph itself to get through. 
Um, and I think that's incredibly scary because it means phishing emails are, are kind of, you know, are, are now part of this AI universe and, and getting smarter on its, on their own. Um, oh and God, then, I was going to say, is that self learning? It's from what I've read. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's machine learning uh, to generate better phishing scams. That's very alarming. Um, and then, you know, there's a term that I've heard on the uh, kind of in the, the MSP circuit, you know, about ransom cloud, again, not, not an expert on it, but you know, these are things obviously anybody listening can, can start Googling and, and making themselves aware of. And obviously these are great opportunities to do blogs about these topics so that, you know, you become the voice of security within your, you know, your network. You're talking about these things maybe before your competitors are. I like that. And it's, it's kind of an ignored space because, you know, as you've both talked about, uh, the network is a different definition than it was 10 years ago. If there was one piece of advice for, you know, managed service providers or others that are helping customers in this field, what would that be? And uh, Himanshu, I'll start with you. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> talked a lot about technology, but uh, really where I, you know, I'm really passionate and obsessive about uh, in, the, in the managed services market is, is uh, driving profitability for for our partners. So I think the one thing I uh, I will leave uh, you know MSPs and partners uh, with is that you know if you're not looking at uh, the holistic landscape of IT, you know start doing that. Um, I think you know the enablement of simplified management, intelligent protection, and actionable visibility. I think the three areas or the core use cases for uh, you know managed uh, service managed services or managed security services are highly essential in your portfolio. So if you're not doing that, you know, uh, start, start looking into that or start focusing that it's, it's a great way to, you know, start a new recurring revenue stream because some of these small and medium sized customers need your services. Um, and then, you know, finally, uh, just, uh, you know, when it comes to profitability, don't just look at uh, gross profit margins, uh, you know, from vendors, but look at uh, technologies that are providing built-in automation, uh, you know, for example, automated uh, remediation or detection capabilities uh, or, you know, automation around uh, discovery uh, capabilities. And, um, and then, you know, look at portfolio consolidation. The more you can consolidate from, from a vendor, the better it is from operational standpoint and also from, you know, touch point standpoint. So again, to improve profitability, Right, you know, start diversifying into uh, providing security services. Uh, look for automation capabilities, and uh, and then finally look at uh, you know uh, portfolio consolidation uh, from from vendors. That's great. And Matt, your one piece of advice. Oh man, I might have to give two. <laughs> Very quickly, <laughs> I can't limit. Um, no, but uh, so one, it's going to sound self-serving. So, I, but I, I there's a reason. Um, so ID Agent has something called, and you can go on our website, it's part of our blog, it's called The Week in Breach. And you do not have to be a partner of ID Agent uh, to subscribe to it. Uh, and the reason I'm really talking about it is because every week, ID Agent actually recaps you know, various breaches from across the world. And it's not just the targets and the Marriott breaches. It's, you know, down to small businesses, churches, manufacturing companies, things like that. And you may have caught a theme of like how Every, you know, a lot of things I talk about is how uh, our data empowers an MSP. And this, it's the same thing with the weekend breach in, in, this, in the simple fact that when you're able to give real life examples that are relatable to, you know, 
a company, if you're talking to a manufacturing company and they're telling you they're not at risk and you've got three examples from the week and breach of manufacturing companies of a similar size, you know, experiencing a breach and in some cases going out of business, uh, that's really powerful. So again, you don't even have to be a partner. You can subscribe. If you are a partner, you can actually repurpose uh, that content as your own in your own newsletters. Um, and I'm really going to kind of go back to something I, I spoke about earlier, which is, uh, you know, at, particularly as it, be, as it comes to security, you have to stop asking and, and really, you know, inform them and, and, and try to uh, approach it obviously from a consultative level. Uh, but I can tell, I can assure you, if you go out and you sell, tell any of you, ask any of your customers, you know, do they want dark web monitoring? I mean, the answer is going to be no, they don't want it. They don't want to pay for it. But when you go in and you really show them, you know, the data and things like that, that's, that's where you have the conversation. So it's, you know, a lot of times MSPs, you know, before they engage with a vendor, they want to sell the product first. And that's where they get into the asking questions uh, versus really, educating their customers on why they need these services instead. And they really should leverage the vendors. Uh, you know, I, I know, you know, vendors have different programs. ID agent has something really unique where we can, we often can get on webinars with our partners and be the subject matter experts and let us educate your customer on why they need it. And then you can roll this out. So again, it just goes back to also just really having the confidence to be able to have those conversations with your customers and just getting away from asking them. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.